Hi everyone, you made it and we're glad that you're here. Whether you're watching this online or in person, you've joined us here at Christ Community Church and we're excited about that. Life is filled with mountains and valleys. Regardless of what season you're in, we want you to know that you have a place right here at CCC. And we are so glad that you could join us today. You know, hope is important, especially right now. And one of the ways we can experience hope is when we come together in community. Everyone has an opportunity to find a community here at CCC. And a good starting point for that is filling out a connection card. You can stop by our welcome desk in the lobby to fill one out. Or if you're joining us online, you can click connect on your screen. We're just wanting to get to know you better so we can find out how to serve you. We want to give you this opportunity to join us in worship through giving. If you're watching online, you can do this by texting CCC Rochester to 77977 or by simply clicking the give link on your screen. If you're here with us in person, you can place your offering in the boxes at the back of the auditorium as you leave. Every dollar you give goes to some aspect of life transformation. And you can rest assured that your giving is an investment in our mission to restore a broken world. We want to thank you in advance for your continued support. We believe in the power of prayer, and we like to pray for you. So if you have any prayer requests, please write them on the back of the connection card that you can pick up at the welcome desk. You leave it there, and we'll be praying for you. If you're watching online, click Request Prayer, and one of our hosts will be available to pray with you right then and there. Coming up soon is winter camp for our young people. The impact team is bringing all of your favorite parts of winter camp right here to Rochester for a total first time unique experience. It's going to be a weekend packed with community and fun. Activities will run from Saturday, February 13th to Sunday, February 14th. So head to the events page on our website for more information and for the link to register. Our annual meeting will be this weekend on Sunday, January 31st at 11.45 a.m. after our 10.30 service, right here in the auditorium and online via Zoom. We're going to be reflecting back on the year we just had. We'll also be approving our 2021 elders and the elder nominating committee. Now, if you're planning on coming in person, you'll need to sign up for this. Otherwise, you're more than welcome to watch it via Zoom. And if you want to be able to vote, you need to be here in person. Visit the annual meeting page on our website at cccrochester.org to learn more. One of the things I'm really excited for is the fact that we're already starting to schedule our next baptism service. In fact, we're planning on holding these baptism services more often, too. If you think this is your next step in your walk with Christ, please contact Sarah Tyson at styson at cccrochester.org. Now as we prepare for worship, know that you are loved by God and welcomed here. God has brought you here today for a purpose. Be open of mind and heart to hear what God wants to teach you today. It's not just another weekend. It's another chance, another opportunity to join with us in worshiping. And that starts right now. I want to stand as we worship this morning. God, we come to worship you. No matter where we are, sing your praises.
began with you because out of your goodness and your love, you sent your son for us.
house. Let's pray together. Will you bow your head and close your eyes with me? So Father, thank you for your goodness to us. We, we so appreciate it. We sing today of your victory. We sing of your power. We sing of your love and your mercy. And in all of that, you bring all that to bear in our lives. And, and so thank you for not holding that back just for yourself or to yourself, but that you, you lavish it upon us in Christ Jesus, who we worship and in whose name we pray today. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Hey, can we um, thank this worship team? So it, uh, it's really good to be with you today. Um, my name is Daryl Holden. If I haven't met you yet, want to acknowledge you guys who are watching us, part of our online church. We're really glad that you are with us today as well. Um, I'm really excited to be with you, really grateful for Pastor Greg last week, and uh, he was continuing our pivot series, talked about forgiveness. If you did not hear that message, I would really encourage you to go back and, and give that one a listen. Um, it was really helpful and uh, really beneficial. So this the series that we've kicked off our new year with, we've called it Pivot, and um, really what we're doing is uh, we're, we're trying to look at some things you know, square in the eye that maybe we're just in the periphery of our lives in the past. And so we've been talking about different things that I don't think any of them are really new for, for most of us, but they're not something that has been an area of attention or focus. And so we know that there's some things that are going to happen in 2021 that God wants to give to us, what God wants us to, to accomplish uh, for him. And in order for us to receive what God's giving to us in this next year, it's gonna be really important for us to square up on some of these things and, and just see eye to eye with some of the things that we've been talking about. And so today I wanna talk with you about, about biblical justice. And so um, you know, 2020, this, this issue of justice was uh, up close and personal for all of us, way beyond anything most of us have experienced in our lifetime. And um, I think 2021 is going to be the same. We're going to have to, we're going to continue seeing justice issues. They're going to be raised for us. And as the people of God, it's going to be really important for us to, to lean in, to participate in conversations, and really above all of that, to be people who do biblical justice. So you, you know, you paid a little, if you paid a little bit of attention in 2020, I mean, you know that this, this topic of justice and social justice was at it's the forefront. And there was, in a lot of those conversations, there was, there was a lot more heat than there was light. But we need to bring some light to this conversation. And I think these are important conversations for our culture to have. There are injustices in our community. There are injustices in our country. There are injustices in this world. And as Christian people, we need to be looking at those things and looking them, at them through the lens of God and his word and how we respond to that. It's going to be really important for us in days ahead. Um, people who don't have an answer or a plan or are participating in, in doing justice in 2021, I think are going to be irrelevant to the community at large, and we have the greatest story, we have the greatest news available to people, and so for we need to have an answer, we need to be um, conversant on this subject of, of justice. And so I'm excited to talk with you about this today. Now I know as I talk about this, I'm opening a can of worms for us, and I'm really hopeful that most of the worms stay in the can, 
Um, it might get a little squirmy a little bit as we talk about this, but this is just a conversation that we've got to have as a church, and it's something that we have to continue to talk about because I'm not, I'm not standing here telling you today that I have the answer for us as a church, as Christian people. I have, I have the beginnings of a conversation as we're working some things out, and so I'm, I'm really excited to share these things with you. I've learned a lot from a lot of other people over this last year, particularly in prepping for this talk over these last few weeks. So I wanna start by just sort of letting you know that when we talk about justice here at Christ Community Church, we're talking about biblical justice, okay? So there's, there's two words. I'm just gonna give you this little slide here. There's, there's social justice, which is what we hear the most if you are listening in the culture. And then I wanna make sure that we're talking about biblical justice, and what I would argue in our time together today is that biblical justice is actually greater than social justice. Now, don't hear me saying that social justice is bad and we need to wad it up and throw it away. If you can only have one kind of justice, I mean, social justice is better than oppression, but of these two, I'm advocating for, and our church is going to be the kind of church that walks in biblical justice. So I've just kind of given you some things that are on the screen there for you, the little bit of the difference, because both these terms are hard to define, like to put it in, you know, just a half a sentence or whatever that we could hang on to. But I think I'm fair. I'm talking about social justice. I think it's I think I'm fair um, for me to say that social justice is about fairness in our collective relationships with each other. That's that's the root of social justice is that that everybody gets treated Fairly. Now, here's, here's, the, here's the places where I would say that social justice is less than biblical justice. And the first part of this is that for justice in the social justice arena, um, the definition of what is fair is really subjective. And so I, I got to be part of a conversation with my friend Michaela Dieter, who's here tonight, and she was writing some things for college. And this is one of the points that she made was that that the definition of what is fair is subjective, which means that it's the people with either power or voice who get to define it. And so to me, that was just, that's a great statement that, that we can't, as people on our own, come to a collective agreement on what is actually fair. And I think that's part of the chaos and the turmoil that's going on in our culture today is I think we all want fair for everybody. Well, almost all of us want fair for everybody, but we can't even agree on a definition of what fair is. And, and so there's this, there's this part of us, you know, of course, we're always bent towards self, and so we're watching out for ourselves. And we want to sort of watch out for, well, more than sort of, we want to watch out for other people, but trying to figure out how all that goes down is a really hard thing for us. And so social justice is really rooted in us as a people trying to figure out what we think is fair. Biblical justice is rooted in the character of God. God himself says that he is just. He says that about himself. He says that he is a God of justice, that he loves justice. And as the, as the creator and as the sovereign of our creation over all of us, he establishes by his character, by his commands, by his principles and his word, by example, 
he establishes for us what is, I'm not going to say just fair, but actually what is just. And so biblical justice is rooted in the character of God and it is also rooted in the dignity of every human being. The Bible is very clear that each one of us is created in the image of God and each one of us bears within us the image of God. And the Bible talks over and over again about how we are to be honoring the image of God in each other. And that is, that is the character of God and the image of God in human beings are really where that's the root of biblical justice. Now, social justice, if we could walk back to that side again, um, one of the things that, that is a weakness of social justice is it typically oversimplifies causes and solutions. There's trying to, trying to figure out why something is unfair and how we solve it. You, you, have, you have read some things, you have maybe participated in conversations where you've, you've heard somebody say, this is why we're here and this is what we need to do to get out of this. And if you have been up close and personal with whatever the situation was, you say to that, it's like, well, that's one of the reasons why we're here. And that path might work or somebody else might, like that might work for a few people. But so social justice tends to oversimplify causes and solutions. And biblical justice, what biblical justice does for us is it exposes and addresses the complexities of causes and solutions. One of the things really interesting is in areas where there is a lack of justice, the Bible, the Bible goes several directions for it. It starts with our condition of our own heart. Every one of us is impacted by sin. We're marked by sin and we're enslaved to sin. And because of, our, because of sin in our lives and in our world, we are bent towards oppressing other people. We're bent for our own self and for our own well-being. And in social justice, when you start talking like that cause isn't really part of the conversation. Um, I was thinking, you know, particularly in the area of race, we were doing some reading on social justice. And it, this, is, this is a very broad base, okay? So with the racial inequities that are in the opportunities that are um, the inequities that are present, particularly in races. We talked about it in 2020, in early in 2021. So give me a very broad brush here. So lots of grace for me, please. But so if you notice this, so if you, when you're talking causes and solutions, if you are a person who leans to the left politically, it, uh, the left tends to talk more about systemic racism and systemic solutions. If you're a person who leans towards the right politically, the right seems to talk about personal responsibility and individual, the solution being placed on the individual. And we all know, I'm just standing here in this room and those of you who are watching online, it's way more complicated than that. So if you're just advocating, hey, you know, listen, you guys over there, this is the land of opportunity and you have opportunity or hey, we've created these systems, if, if that's if that's the width of your ability to see causes and solutions, then I don't know that we're going to get anywhere. And biblical justice, really, it exposes a lot of different things. It exposes the, the human causes of injustice in our world. It talks about systemic injustice and speaks particularly to leaders and people with say-so to be talking to systems. It talks to individuals about how we treat each other. It talks to people who are 
being they're in adverse situations or they're being impressed. Like the Bible speaks across the spectrum. And so I think for that reason, I think that the Bible, like it, it, biblical justice is gonna do us better as we try to figure out how to move forward and all this. And then social justice, I think this, and this is probably, if you pushed me to a corner to say, hey, which one of these is the most important? This last one I think is the most important. Social justice, there's maybe a path. It may be a path forward. I think usually it's oversimplified. There's maybe a path forward, but there is no power. And in biblical justice, there is a clear path and there is divine power. And as Christian people, as people of God, as the church of Jesus Christ, there is power to accomplish what God calls us to. There's divine power to accomplish what God calls us to. In doing biblical justice, I mean, the, the path that God calls us on is a path of personal transformation. So each one of us in some way is responsible for injustice in our circles. Again, because we're all bent towards self. And so we're willing to promote self over someone else. And God calls us into this transformational relationship with him where we become like him so that we are becoming people who by our character and our nature, because he is transforming us, are becoming not just fair, but just. And so he calls us on this path towards being people who are just, and he brings his great power to bear in our lives and in the lives of those that we are ministering to, so that because we bring, we don't just bring something nice or good, we, we bring the good news of Jesus with us wherever we go. And the Bible talks about that good news of Jesus it is the power of God for salvation, for rescue, for, for eternal rescue, but also for rescue from, it's the power, from our sin in all the ways it impacts our lives. That good news of Jesus is the power of God for salvation to those who believe it. And so you and I have this tremendous opportunity as people to walk, not to not be just, social justice people, but to be people who do together biblical justice. And so when you hear me hear the words, and this is a vocabulary shift for me, I'm sure it's gonna be a vocabulary shift for you. So if we, if we mess up and use the old terms, we're not talking about the old terms. We're talking about a lens of doing what is just, what is right from God's perspective that's rooted in his character that not only acknowledges, but actually embraces the dignity of every human being because they are created in the image of God. They're image bearers of God himself. Each one of us is an image bearer of God. And so we have to recognize and acknowledge those things and we move into that doing what is right with the power of the good news of Jesus in us and ministering through us. And so I wanted you to see these terms and help us understand biblical justice, not just, not just social justice. And, and I want you guys to know that this is, a, this is an evolving conversation. This is, a, this is an idea that is still germinating. I, maybe you've got this figured out for your own life. Marie and I are still leaning into it for ours. We've been leaning into it for a few years now. Um, and as a church, we've been talking about this seriously for most of 2020. So I just want you to know that um, the elder board particularly has been giving most of one meeting a month for probably the last seven or eight months 
to this topic of justice. We meet from 6.30 to 9.30, so they're long conversations twice a month, and one of those conversations each month has been given to, to prayer, to conversation, to reading, to study. Like we've, been, we've been asking the Lord to lead us as a church into this, and so we know that God is calling us forward in this area of biblical justice. So let me read some of these verses that have been important to us as an elder board, as leadership um, from the Bible. These are, these, these are some of the foundational statements. We've read these together. We've kind of mulled them over in the elder room. We've read things about them from other people. So the first one is from the Old Testament, Micah chapter six, verse eight. This is the prophet of God speaking to God's people. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So just kind of lays it right down. What are the requirements that God has for his people is to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. And I would, I would suggest to you that all those things go together. You can't walk humbly with your God without being engaged in those other things. In Zechariah chapter seven, verses nine and 10, it's another prophet of God speaking to God's people. This is what the Lord Almighty said. Administer true justice. Show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. Do not plot evil against each other. And there's this, this raising the value of people who are, who are vulnerable, who are oppressed because of their life circumstances, find themselves in situations that, that people could take advantage of them. And God speaks to his people and says, hey, we don't take advantage of those people, we speak up for them. We have compassion on them and we watch out for them. Um, in Matthew, or excuse me, Isaiah chapter one, verse 17. Again, prophet of God speaking to his people. Learn to do good. So you don't, you don't have to know this intuitively. I take great comfort in this verse. We can figure this out. God will lead us as we go down this journey. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. And again, in these verses, you see the responsibility of people who, who have the ability to do so to protect and speak up for people who are on the margins or who are vulnerable in their culture because of life circumstances. And so that's, that's the Old Testament. That's the people of God living under the Old Covenant. Moving into the New Testament, Matthew 25, these, these are probably my favorite verses of the things that we're gonna look at today and really touching these topics of, of doing biblical justice. This is Jesus speaking and he's talking about the end of days, final judgment. And, and he says, then the king, so there's a separation, people on the right, people on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Now listen, this is why they get that kingdom. For I, Jesus is speaking of himself, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, 
When did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty, give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? Because that's not Jesus. Like he's, he's God. So when did we see? The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. That amazing that Jesus talks about how we treat what he calls the least of these and not in a way to push them down or away, but to say, these are the people that the world, the culture looks at and says, you guys don't really matter. How we treat those people that everybody else around us says don't really matter or are vulnerable how we treat them makes all the difference into eternity. As a matter of fact, Jesus says, when you do something for them, you do it for him. And that, that, that's, just, that's an incredible statement. And I, just, I love that, that Jesus so identifies with the, the vulnerable and the outcast that he says, loving them, ministering to them, serving them, serving him. Move farther into the New Testament, into the letters, James writing to Christian people. This is from chapter one and chapter two. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs? What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. So we come away from time in God's word, and there are more and more verses that echo these sentiments. We come away from time in God's word convinced that we're supposed to do biblical justice. We're supposed to do it. It's not just something that we read about, think about, dream of, preach on, but it's something that we are supposed to do. It's an action that we're supposed to take. And again, as, as the, the elder board has just kind of wrestled around with this, we've read some really good things. And I would say the thing that we have read that has been most helpful and most impactful other than the Bible for us has been an article by a guy named Tim Keller. If you read much in Christian circles, you probably heard his name. I want to give you, I want to give you this link. This is where you can find the article that for us was really the most helpful. It's gospel in life quarterly. It's at gospelinlife.com and it's um, justice in the Bible. And this is a, this is one of a four part series that he wrote. So when you get ready to sit down and read these things, um, he does not use small words. He uses big words. And so, you know, be awake. This isn't, this isn't falling asleep reading, but it is worth the energy and the effort. He's a really good thinker in, in these areas. So he's been really helpful for us. And I, sh- I want to share with you some things that from, from Tim Keller and from Eric Mason are things that we have found really helpful as, as leaders in the church and as we think about the future and about how we as a church are going to engage with biblical justice. So So here's two kinds of justice in the Bible. The first is retributive justice. Now, Tim Keller's not the only one who uses this word, but um, it's a big word, right? It means pay back. So this is punishing evil. This is one of the ways that this is part of justice that's in the Bible, but it isn't given 
to you and to me. This, we're not supposed to do this kind of justice. God says that vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And in Romans 13, it also talks about how God allows the government to have a sword so that it encourages good and punishes evil. And so the Bible gives God himself and legitimate human governments the, the ability or the um, permission to engage in retributive justice. The second kind is restorative. And this is the kind of justice that you and I as Christian people, as, as people who are also in the, made in the image of God and seeing the image of God in others, this is how we're supposed to, this is how we do justice. We establish and restore those who have been wronged. And this is, this is a work of God himself too. God, you know, the Psalms talks about how God takes people and sets them, you know, people who are childless and gives them children. And he takes people who have been left alone and he sets them in families and just paints these beautiful pictures of how God does justice in miraculous ways. But he also calls his people to do justice in, in restoring and raising up other people. And so we were reading these things and I'm thinking, you know, I think God's paved the way for us as a church in this. I don't know how long our mission statement has been restoring our broken world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. But that really is not, I mean, if we're talking about being people who do justice, we've been called to restore and to, to be restored and to be restorers of brokenness in this world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and so you and I have been called to this restorative justice work where we are looking at at people like us who've been made in the image of God. Proverbs talks about the rich and the poor are the same. They both are in relationship with their maker. I mean, it just doesn't matter if you have power or if you don't have any power, if you have wealth, if you don't have any wealth, we're all, we're all, we're all made in the image of God. We're the same people. We're the same kind of people. And so we do this restorative work and we, we see this in three layers. Um, as we think about this as, and you can think about this individually, but as we think about this as a church, really see this coming in three layers. And again, these come from Dr. Eric Mason, but the first layer is intervening justice. Jesus did this when he walked into places and somebody was sick and he just put his hands on them and healed them. Like that, that's intervening justice. Intervening justice is seeing somebody who's hungry and giving them food, seeing somebody who's cold and giving them a coat or giving them a blanket. It's stepping into circumstances where a person made in the image of God, his situation or her situation is not equal to what a person, an image bearer should be experiencing. And so in those moments, we bring restorative justice. We intervene with restorative justice to give somebody what they're due as image bearers. Preventative justice is is getting ahead of finding causes for these injustices. Preventative is like, how do we get ahead and how do we speak to that so that it doesn't happen? So, so if somebody is hungry, it's trying to understand like, why are you hungry? And how could we step in how could we cut your hunger like off at the past? We're going to feed you today, but how do we help you figure out like how do we solve those issues and restore you back to this place where you are you're participating the way God wants you to participate? And and a couple of great questions that go along with that because this is kind of a this is a community development mindset 
this preventative justice, because when you step in, when you intervene, if you continue to intervene, what happens is you create dependency and what you meant for good actually becomes harm for somebody else because now they're this image bearer of God who has no dignity because somebody else is meeting their needs, needs that they can meet. And so, so preventative justice asks the question, okay, what do you need? What do you have? And how do we take what you, like how do we bridge that gap so that you have dignity in meeting your own needs that God has called you to meet? And so this preventative justice is asking the how did we get here question and how do we keep us from getting here again? And it's, it's a beautiful question when you, see, when you see the people of God asking this with looking out for and raising the dignity of their fellow human beings and together we're able to restore, raise people up. And then the last kind of justice is the, the last layer of it is systemic because there are systemic injustices. Every system that you and I know were created by sinful people. They have been inhabited by sinful people. They are propelled forward by sinful people. And I participate in some of them and you participate in some of them. I'm not throwing rocks at anybody. I'm just saying we're broken people and we produce broken systems and there are injustices. And so there has to be a speaking to unjust systems, not from a cultural viewpoint of what's fair and how this system ought to be running, but from a biblical standpoint of, of what is right, what is just, what is our path forward based on character of God, the image of God in human beings, the plan and the power that God brings when we move forward in his directions. And so, so as we think about it, so some of us, this is, this is a fun thing if you just kind of start looking at how particular people are wired. Some people love the idea of stepping in intervening justice, of, of finding somebody, seeing somebody who's hungry and, and feeding them in that moment, or somebody who's cold and giving them a coat, or somebody who's receiving zero education and, and helping them kind of figure that part out so that they receive some education. Some people are wired for and love to intervene. Some people love to step back and say, hey, how do we get here? Let's figure out how we got here and, and let's look at this from God's point of view. How do we get here and, and how do we keep this from happening for this person or for groups of people? Again, some people love that. And then some people love to take a step farther back and look at it and say, okay, well, this system, this system doesn't work. This system raises this group of people up at the expense of this group of people. What is, like, how, do we, how do we write that thing? From God's perspective and what we have to we have to acknowledge as a church and we have to celebrate as a church is just because somebody has a different area of enjoyment or passion or call than you, that doesn't mean they're doing it wrong. That means that means that God has wired each one of us and he's gifted each one of us for different things. And so if you're a person who likes to step in and feed the hungry, praise God that you like to step in and feed the hungry. And how do we fuel that and encourage that in you? And if you're a person who likes to figure out how we got here, that you don't get excited about going out and taking food to hungry people, but you get really excited about stepping back and saying, hey, how did we get here and how can we help solve this on another level? Like, we can't get upset with each other because you're not doing it the way that I'm doing. We celebrate and we fuel and we propel each other forward in each of these layers. And for us as a church, I think we're gonna figure out ways to be involved in our community, in our country, in each of these layers. 
and to provide opportunities for those who consider Christ Community Church their home to be engaged in each one of these layers. And so this biblical justice thing is not just, hey, here's the one way we do it. Here's the one thing that we can, this is how we do it and everybody else has it wrong. There's multiple layers. And the Bible speaks to complex situations. And an observation that I have made as it relates to to doing justice, whether it's social justice or biblical justice. I've just, I've seen this in years of ministry is kind of my, my illustration or my, is, is this kind of like in world war two, you know, you had this whole European front, like you just had this whole place where there are, it's so big, there are multiple battles going on and people are fighting in different places with different strategies. So particularly like when we were dealing with race issues and it was really hot earlier in like in the summertime, I watched people who are trying to bring justice in the, to racial situations, turn their attention from, from where the injustices were towards each other because this group of people weren't doing it the way this group of people thought they were. And I, I want to say that for us as a church, because we are going to be walking in to biblical justice and we're going to encourage and celebrate where God calls each one of us and other churches, other Christian people, other ministries. We don't have to do it the same. The injustices in our world, there are enough of them and they are big enough that we can all engage in different spots. And just knowing that these layers are present, I think really helps us as we think through what somebody else is doing with that. All right, so let me move on from there. We demonstrate, let me show you some ways that we're going to demonstrate God's restorative justice. And we, we stole these straight from Tim Keller. As, as we get better and deeper into this, we'll have some things that are more our own. But as you guys know, when you're starting something, it's really good to just take somebody else's model and begin to work on it. And so from Tim Keller, four things. Radical generosity, not, not giving that makes sense, but giving that doesn't really make sense. And one of my friends in at our last church, he, he wrote a book called enough. And his premise is if people with more than enough would give, there's an opportunity for people with less than enough to have enough. Does that make sense? Because the Bible is really clear when it talks about what biblical justice, there's a great concern for people who are poor, who don't have enough. And, and the way to minister and to walk into and lean into many of the opportunities to do biblical justice is we as a people are going to be radically generous. And you guys know this, it'll come out in the annual meeting stuff that um, happens this weekend. Um, as a church, we gave, we gave $450,000, I think, in this last year to people who are in our community, over $100,000, and then in people in, around the world, over $350,000 to people who are doing this kind of work. And, this is, and we're going to move that forward as a church. That, that, that's, that is an amazing gift that, from our church to these different people, but it is, it's a starting place for us. And so radical generosity is first. Second, universal equality. We have to remember, and we have to school ourselves because we all have blind spots, but to remember that each human being is made in the image of God. We're all equal. We are. It doesn't matter what our life circumstances look like. It doesn't matter what other people in the culture, it doesn't matter what somebody else might think about who's high and who's low. They just, there's no high and low. We're all equal. We 
We are equal in God's sight. We're made in his image. We are infinitely valuable to him. Every human being on this planet, God sent his son to die so that that human being could be redeemed. And God's sacrificial, generous love towards us, it's not more for one group of people and less for another. And so this universal equality. The third one is life-changing advocacy. To be people who speak up for, for people who are in need and for people who our culture would say, these are the least of these. These are the ones who are pushed out to the margins and to do that with a biblical grid and with biblical kind of love, with God's kind of love for other people. So life-changing advocacy. And then this last one is corporate and individual responsibility and being willing to, to acknowledge and take responsibility for injustice that you have participated in. And, and whether that is directly or indirectly to just to be willing to be responsible for, for your role in where things are not right. And what I would say is, is we have to develop the ability to lament connected to this. Um, we were, we were praying as an, as elders and it was when everything was shut down and we were praying particularly for our student ministry because we've got all these kids who are part of our church and in this community and they have very little contact with each other. And, and we know we're reading, we're listening. We know how hard it is on families. But we also know how hard it is on our students. And, and so we were praying for our students and one of our elders just prayed, Lord, we lament this. And that was a beautiful moment to me because it's not, it's not our fault directly. We can't fix it. There's, but there's a group of people that we love that something is not right for them. And we're just going to say in this room, it's not right. And we lament this. And it's, it's more than like we're sad about this. It's like we, we grieve that this is the case. And if we, this is, this is connected, we talked about empathy a few weeks ago. If we, as Christian people, could learn to lament, to grieve with people who are hurting, who have been hurt by others or systems that, that we are not necessarily responsible for, if we could grieve with them, if we could lament the circumstances of their lives, if we could lament the injustices of their past, if we could lament that stuff with them, I think we're way down the road as, as people who are united and as people who are united under the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, so we are committed to demonstrating biblical justice in our community at this church at least through these, these four things from the scriptures um, for us as we, as we take our next steps in doing this. So thinking through, I, I ran across one more quote. I'm gonna share it with you because I think this boils everything down. And I know this is a really heady sermon, all right? So there's just a lot of stuff. I'm throwing it at you. <laughs> Can of worms, right? Um, so I read a book a couple years ago by a guy named Michael Horton. The book is called Ordinary. And he made this remarkable statement. It's easy to love a cause. It's hard to love your neighbor. So all these things, the, the, the layers of doing biblical justice, the, the path forward, those four things, all of this boils down to 
loving our neighbor. It's a, it's a face-to-face, heart-to-heart. It's really easy to fall in love with a cause and to support it on social media or... That's not hard. Face-to-face, heart-to-heart with people being called into radical generosity and universal... Dig- Stepping into all those things, getting into the mess with people, that's hard. And we're a church that's gonna do hard things. So we're gonna be the kind of people who step into hard things. Now, here's what we find when we step into hard things. You step into relationship. So you step into relationship with people when you're loving your neighbor. You're stepping into relationship with them and relationships are two-way streets. And here's the coolest part of this whole deal is you might step into somebody else's life knowing that you bring more than enough in some, some way. You bring more than enough where they have less than enough so that hopefully we can balance these things out. But as you engage in relationship with people, you find that they have a lot to give to you too. And so you find yourself in, you may have walked, whatever purpose you walked into a loving your neighbor relationship with, you know, restoring our broken world through the gospel of Jesus Christ, what you find out is God has something that he wants them to give to you so that he's restoring through that relationship, he's restoring your brokenness as well. And it's just this amazing gift and blessing that God gives to us as his people. So I want to I want to wrap up. I've got questions for you at the end, but I want to wrap up by showing you this video. It's a story of a couple families here at Christ Community Church who have loved their neighbor well, and I'm so proud of them. I'm so thankful that I know them a little bit. I am so gr- grateful that they'll let us share their story with you. So if you guys would watch this video. I'm Andrea and this is Colin. We are the Thomases. We live in Rochester, Minnesota and we are licensed foster care providers in Olmsted County. When we got married, we were very intentional about reaching out to others. Mm-hmm. Um, Colin is very service oriented and that was a huge thing for us. I, I really enjoy working with youth and young adults and we were into youth ministry and it was kind of a big deal to us. You know, the light in the dark and, and the city on the hill, you know, being that light, that was kind of the foundation of our wedding and, and our marriage from the beginning. So we started um, as a host family for a, a guy, kid um, at the time um, oh. through Better Chance Rochester. And mm-hmm. so that's when we started. I mean, we knew the girls were younger and there was no way we were going to do foster care mm-hmm. or, you know, something that we could do. And that was what we found. And when we moved to this house, we we had extra space. We were kind of like, well, how can we use the extra space? Uh, and that's we've been able to fill fill the room that way. I think foster care came around when it's like, okay, we have there. We know there's this need, mm-hmm. and we have the ability to help others. So there was a situation up in the cities. Yeah. So and there were three girls that needed a placement. I think they called us on a Tuesday, and I think on Wednesday, they like, well, we need a placement, like, tomorrow. We have to make a decision in a day whether or not we're ready to expand our family of four to a family of seven. We're kind of like, well, they're going to split them up if they can't find a place for all three of them to go. So we said, sure. Totally different lifestyle than what we're, we were used to. Uh, it, it definitely shook our family. Um, 
pretty quickly. I remember one of my favorite things was when we bought them snow pants and you know snow suits and everything, and they put them on and they were like walking around the house and like their snow pants were swishing and they're like, oh, listen to this, mom. And and they're swishing their snow pants and they were so excited about it. The things that we take for granted mm -hmm. with our own two kids that we've raised from birth were brand new to them. Um, they came from a home where here's a phone, hang out on the phone for a while. And to then ingrain them in, <laughs> hey, there's the outdoors. Teach them how to ride scooters and bikes. Yeah, how to go out and play in the woods and explore in the woods. They got to a point where they loved going exploring in the woods. And that was a big part of the joy of um, foster care was exposing them to a lifestyle that they weren't necessarily used to. Yeah, we struggled to meld the two families together. I mean, it's a challenge for anybody who does it foster care. It was a care. struggle yeah. to meet everyone's needs. Yep to meet our needs, to meet our girls' needs, to meet all of their needs, because they have a lot of needs um, coming into with a situation that happened. The thing that made a big difference is when we started to bring in others along with us to help support them and I guess support us, um, whether it's the neighbor families mm -hmm. or the Lapine family who you know helped to start to care for all three of them on weekends and things like that. Once we started to get the support around us, then that kind of took the pressure and some of the tension off mm -hmm. of our shoulders, which made a huge difference. We're Aaron and Beth Lapine, and we're relief care providers um, to the Thomas family. We got involved with um, the Thomas family soon after they got their first placement. We had we were finishing up our foster care provider license, and so. Um, they were they were getting ready to go on a vacation and needed someone to provide care for their kids and so since we were friends previously they had asked would we take them and we said yeah. Had we not got into this situation um, and said yes to the opportunity that we would even know that there was a need for justice. There's things in the world that are not right and that um, that, that the body of Christ needs to speak into. And, um, and, and, and we just did that and have learned a lot about what that actually means in the process. There's so much benefit to getting involved in situations that are messy. One, because we're called to, but also because then you begin to have empathy and you begin to realize just how big some of these issues are, just how systemic they are, but without that you know, introduction to how the world really works. It's hard to have a lot of empathy, but then I think once you see it, you can't help but want to act on the things you've seen. I think as I know myself and Christians in general, we have a tendency to live inside our comfort zone. I, I When I go into something, I like to have a plan and uh, there's a beginning and an end and this is what you do along the way, but in foster care, it's you'll learn it on the go is really what it is. Um, once we left our comfort zone, we started to realize that we had a lot more potential within us to do more things. Between us and the Lapines and other people that they've met along the way, um, God's using that hopefully to bring them um, to be stronger, to, to, you know, make good choices and, and, and grow up and be, you know, the greatest things that they can be in, in what they want to do. I don't know, I see a lot of difference in that, in, in us partnering with the community and I think that's 
that's mm. what we want. That's what we want to do. I think God's blessed us with a lot, whether it be a home, whether it be a job, whether it be finances or a car. It's a matter of taking a look at what you have, what God has blessed you with, and what can you turn around and bless others with what God has blessed you with. Mm. And it's kind of a strange way to say it, but but that requires the <laughs> to get rid of that selfish mindset. Um, in terms of we always think of why we can't, but I guess, you know I guess the prayer would be that as a church we would start to look at what have we been given mm -hmm. and how can we turn around and use that to further His kingdom here on earth. So um, thanks to Bree Raymond, who's on our communications team. She does a great job telling these stories. Um, so here's my encouragement to you guys. Number one is pray. Every one of us has something. There is, a, there is biblical justice somewhere in front of us. Maybe we don't see it yet, so pray. And then when God shows it to you, act. And don't be afraid of making a mistake. Don't be afraid of doing it wrong. Um, but we're gonna pray and we're gonna act and we're gonna be doing that stuff collectively as well. I think we're in for a really cool 2021. I think God has great things ahead of us as a church. So I'm really excited to lean into this for you and with you. All right, so let me ask you some questions here. These are questions for discussions. If you need to take a picture of this, um, go ahead. I think these, this, is a good, this is a good conversation. So how do you feel about our church doing biblical justice instead of social justice? So just to you know, kind of talk through some of those differences, strengths and weaknesses, what you see, what you'd like to see. And which of those Bible verses that we read together was most meaningful to you and why do you think it was meaningful? Uh, which of those three layers of biblical justice are you drawn to? And do you know why you're drawn to that? Why do you think you'd be drawn to that? And then the last question is, what comes to mind when you think about radical generosity? And if you thought about that in terms of, of your life, what does is, what is radical generosity look like for you. So I hope you have those conversations. All right, so can I do this? Can I pray for us? Let me just pray over each one of us who are here and watching online and over our church, our community. Let's, let's pray together. So Father, we honor you as the God who is just. You are righteous and just. You are a king and the foundation of your throne is justice and righteousness. And you alone know what is right and what is just. And so we turn to you. We recognize, and we'll say it in this room, and we'll continue to remind each other of this, that each one of us is made in your image. Thank you for, for breathing life into us. Help us see that in each other. Help us see your image in each other. And I pray that we at Christ Community Church would be willing to, to do hard things, that we would that we would act justly, that we would love mercy, and that we would walk humbly with you. And Jesus, all this is possible because of what you have done for us. You bring great power, your great power to bear in our lives, and so we trust you to, to make us into these kind of people. And so we pray these things in your name, amen. It's been great to be with you today. Thanks for coming and worshiping with us. Um, I hope that we sing those songs of victory today. I just know that as complicated as all this is and as low, as hard as some of it feels, there is a God who is victorious and he will have the victory in these most difficult areas of our lives. 
So I'm excited about that for each one of us. Okay, so here's the deal. Ushers are gonna dismiss you. You guys can sit down, you can stand up, whatever you wanna do, but just wait till an usher comes to your row and they'll let you get out of here. God bless you guys. I love you. I'll see you next week.